High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Turn in your Bibles just to 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5. We're going to start with verse 8. We'll get there in just a moment. But we're starting a series tonight. Originally, Pastor Joshua was going to start it this past Wednesday. And anyway, we ended up having Pastor Micah and Chelsea here. And they were ministering. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Micah and Chelsea last Wednesday? I heard it was a tremendous time of ministry with them. Uh, But anyway, he was actually going to start and kick this off. But as it is, I'm going to start and kick it off now. And uh, by the way, just pray for Pastor Micah and Chelsea. They are right now in Little Rock, Arkansas at the Ridge Assembly ministering. Just stretch your hand out kind of north and west of here. And Lord, we declare your blessing and your anointing to be released within Pastor Micah and Chelsea as they minister there at the Ridge Assembly. Let your anointing flow mightily through them. We thank you, Lord God, that you will use them to set the captive free to declare that Jesus saves, heals, and delivers. And we thank you, Lord, for deliverance that's coming forth, for freedom. And Lord God, just for the move of your spirit within that house, we thank you the word will be delivered with power and with authority and will edify the believers, build them up, cause them to be strong in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen and amen. Praise God. Uh, I also just want to ask all of you to continue to pray for Pastor Stacy. Uh, she is in the process of writing a book right now called Sheer Commitment. Been talking about it for a long time, and it is in the makings right now, and I'm just, I'm her assistant, praise the Lord, uh, and I'm there to assist her however that I can, but it, there's a lot of work that goes into writing a book, and uh, we just are believing uh, that this is going to really help people, going to equip people to have successful marriages and homes and families and uh, also just help them, uh, you know, stand through all the different things uh, that marriages have to stand uh, and make it through today. I mean, there's a lot that we all actually have to encounter just in married life, just the day-to-day things that are going on. There are so many different areas, of course, the enemy wants and desires to attack marriages and homes, and uh, we're believing that this will be something that will help fortify and cause families to be made strong, husbands and wives to be made strong. It's needed today. It's needed in the church. It's also even more needed in the world, but uh, we really, really need that today. I will tell you that uh, your church is never any stronger than the families that are within that church body. And if the families aren't strong, then the church will not be strong. I'm glad here at High Praise, the families are strong here. Hallelujah. I'm glad that the marriages are strong. But how many of you are willing to admit, although I've got a good marriage, there's always room for some improvement? Does anybody, can anybody say there's room for improvement? I know there's some, Fred and Holly, they're perfect. They're already arrived back there. I didn't see their hand raised. So I know, but, uh, but for the rest of us, how many of you can say we need, there's room for some improvement? Amen. Y'all, I'm just kidding with y'all. Yeah, but uh, 
but anyway, all of us, there's room for improvement, you know, uh, and you may uh, think, well, I've arrived and I've pretty, got, pretty well got it together, but the reality is there's always places of perfection that God desires to bring forth in each and every one of us. And um, praise the Lord, I, I'm believing God that even as we, as Pastor Stacy writes this and I help her in that process that, you know, praise the Lord, I'll, I'll become a better husband. Amen. Hallelujah. And she's praying that also. Hallelujah. Um, tonight I want to share some things. We're going to start on this series on the armor of God, putting on the whole armor of God. I, I want everybody to understand that that is actually a command for us as believers. Uh, Paul, when writing to the church at Ephesus, he said, put on the whole armor of God, which means you have to make a choice to put on that armor. And there are a lot of believers that are not living with their armor. And understand, putting on the armor means that you take each element of the armor and you begin to use it on a regular basis, on a daily basis. Every moment of the day, you have that armor on. And I will tell you, if we will learn to walk in uh, with the armor of God, we will live in a place of victory. We will live in a place of triumph. As you know, the last two Sundays, we've been on Sunday mornings, we've been talking about the weapons of our warfare. You know, Paul said the weapons of our warfare, they are not what? They're not carnal, but they are what? Everybody say mighty through God. Look at somebody and say your weapons are mighty through God. Well, part of the weaponry that we have been given, the arsenal that we have been given is actually the armor of God. That's part of that arsenal that we have been given. And, uh, but the, what we have been given through the armor of God, although there is offensive and defensive weapons that are represented there, it is what I call our spiritual defense system. Um, how many of you are thankful that you live in the United States of America? How many of you are thankful for this great and wonderful nation that we live in? Aren't you grateful for it? Amen. And how many of you are thankful that, uh, and we got military people that are represented here. How many of you at one point in time, uh, you were in the military or you are in the military right now, or you are working out at Tyndall in some manner or some way, if you are, just kind of wave your hand at, at us. Can we give all of our military personnel just a big praise God? Hallelujah. Don't you appreciate them? Appreciate every single one of them. And the reality is every one of those who are out there at Tyndall Air Force Base, all of our enlisted men, all of the officers, they are a part of the national defense system here in our nation. And again, thank God for the U.S. And I really do believe it's the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. And I thank God for the wonderful heritage that we have here uh, in the United States. And by the way, we need to always pray for our nation, right? Pray for the leaders. That's, that's something that Paul actually commanded. He said, I first command, first of all, that there be prayers and intercessions be made for all those who are in authority, kings. He's, and he's just talking about leaders there, leaders of nations, leaders of states, leaders of cities, leaders of provinces, whatever it might be, leaders in our county. It's important that we pray for our leadership and pray that they will hear the voice of the Lord and that God will use them to implement his kingdom within the earth, amen? And we'll be those who will stand for righteousness uh, in the land. We need people, we need leaders that will take righteous stands today. Amen? Uh, and I don't have time to really go there. There's a lot of scripture about the righteous being in authority, and I will tell you, it's much better when righteous men are in authority than unrighteous men. 
And, uh, and, and righteous, what I mean when I say righteous, I'm not talking about just somebody who says they're saved, but I'm talking about, about somebody who lives a saved life, lives a, the life of a believer, lives the life of a Christian, amen? It's very important. But in the United States here, we have a wonderful defense system. And, you know, I, uh, we, as many of you know, Pastor Stacy and I, we built a house about six or seven years ago over in Laird Bayou. And we, we live right there on the bayou. And we must be in the flight path because we hear jets flying over us all the time. And I will tell you that before the hurricane, at times, it could be a little bit annoying. You know, you got used to it, and you're living here all the time, and, you know, jets start flying over you, and you go, you know, it can be loud. You know, now, every time we hear a jet, we go, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah, you know. It really is the sound of freedom. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And uh, thank God for that our military is coming back. Thank God that and the Air Force Base is going to be better than what it was before. I could really get distracted right now and go down that path. Y'all know everything that we went through on the other side of Hurricane Michael and how that there was a lot of people, a lot of leaders that were even making edicts that the, this entire area was dead, it would never come back, that it was lifeless, and you know, just you might as well turn on the gas, light a match, goodbye world, goodbye. But the Lord gave us a word. How many know you only need one word from the Lord? And with that one word, you can begin to see triumph and victory within your life. And the word that the Lord gave us was that he will restore. Amen. Joel chapter 2 verse 26. It was a scripture that the Lord gave me whenever we had to evacuate because we were in a mandatory evacuation zone. And on the day that the hurricane struck, the Lord spoke to me. Joel 2 26. I will restore to you the years that the canker worm, the palmer worm, the caterpillar has eaten. Praise God. And we begin to do a study on that, and that word restore is the Hebrew word shalam. Everybody say shalam. And whenever the word shalam is translated restored all throughout the Old Testament, it is always in reference to you having more than what you had before. Praise God. Can everybody say more than you had before? And uh, can I tell you that the Lord is causing us to have more than we had before? And Tyndall Air Force Base is going to have more than they had before. Am I right, Gil? Gil's kind of on the inside track, knows a lot. And also, um, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 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 David, Brother David, he knows all about all the th people that are coming in. And the bottom line is the base is going to actually end up housing more people. When I say housing more people, there's going to be more people working out there. There's going to be more enlisted men out there. There's going to be more officers out there than what there was even prior to Hurricane Michael. How many of you know God's not a man that he would lie, nor the son of man that he would repent? And if he said it, he will make it good. Amen? Would you look at somebody and say, God's good for it? And so we see all of these things beginning to take place. And again, I'm so thankful. I said all that to say, you know, we don't live too far. I mean, I don't know, as the crow flies, we might be uh, two, three miles at the most from the actual flight line where the planes are coming in. We just live across the bay there on Laird Bayou. And I tell you, I love it when I hear those planes, even the heavies, even whenever they're flying at midnight, I still raise my hand. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And those heavies, you sound like something's about to land on your, you know, house. 
house. But anyway, it's a wonderful sound. And again, I'm going somewhere with this. You know what? There is a sense of security that I think all of us uh, have uh, because we live in this great nation. You know, the reality is if you live in Ukraine right now, there's not a real sense of security there, right? If you live in some of these war-torn nations, there's not a great sense of security. But one of the reasons that we have this sense of security that we have here living in this nation is because of our military. It is because of the defense system that is in place. You know what? And I can't think of a better place to live than pretty close to an Air Force base that's housing F-35s and all types of uh, 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 military uh, ability and power to be able to ward off the enemy. Amen? And I, uh, so, you know, all of us are thankful for that. I'm, again, I'm saying all that because I want you to understand what we see in the natural is only a reflection of what we already have in the spirit because we have a spiritual defense system. And whenever you understand your spiritual defense system, there's some security that begins to arise within you. There's a sense of confidence and there's a sense of faith that begins to arise on the inside of you that says, you know what? With God is for me, who can be against me? Who will I fear with God on my side? Right? There's something that begins to rise up on the inside of you, and there's a confidence that you have that you know that you are safe. You know, I believe regardless of what's taking place all around us and regardless of what's happening in the world today, regardless of what's happening in the culture today, in the society today, we are safe. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, we are safe. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? I say that because this is what the Bible says. The name of the Lord is a high tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are? Everybody shout safe. Look at somebody and say, you're safe. Well, you see, we have a spiritual defense system. And because of that spiritual defense system, we are protected. We are safe. Let me say it another way. Devil, you can't touch this. Right? No, 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 no. Can't touch this, all right? Look at somebody and say, can't touch this. Doesn't matter what the devil tries to do, he can't touch this. James, he can't touch you. Amen? It's wonderful to see Courtney back. That's James' daughter. A lot of prayers for you, praise God. It's so good to see you. And she's been coming at... I think it was two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, she came up. She rededicated her life to the Lord. She's back in the house of God. Hallelujah. We love you, Courtney. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, that's not worthy of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hallelujah. That's worthy of a shout. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So um, it got me distracted there. But anyway, you're saved. Praise the Lord. Whenever you're, you know, there's a spiritual defense system that God has given to us, and because of it, we are safe. Again, in the natural, our defense system that is in place, it is comprised of many different branches of our armed forces. They are trained to protect and defend the people of this nation. Let me say it another way. They are trained to kill bad guys. Let's just get right down to where it's at, right? Bad guys that desire to, uh, would desire to, you know, destroy this nation, destroy families, kill us, whatever. You know, listen, there's nothing wrong with having a defense system. 
Amen. Listen, ancient Israel had a defense system, right? Uh, they weren't trying to just go in and take territory, but there was a defense system that actually was in place. They, they, they had a national defense. And so understand that our defense system, they are trained, our, uh, our, our, our armed forces, they're trained to ward off any and all enemies, both domestic and abroad. As a matter of fact, I believe they actually take an oath to do that to actually ward off any and all enemies, both domestic and abroad. It is our defense systems that are in place that allow us to live in peace and allow us to live in safety. And again, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. It is our defense system that causes us to be able to live in peace, to live in safety, and see the kingdom of God manifested in every realm of life, amen? We have a spiritual defense system. Would you look at somebody and say, you have a spiritual defense system? Now, it is comprised of different aspects and weaponry within the kingdom of God and that which God has designated to us. And we read it about it all throughout the New Testament. And we're going to be sharing on some of these things. I won't get to them tonight. Pastor Joshua's going to be sharing on them also. But anyway, we, there's no, I'm just laying some groundwork for where we're going. Uh, those spiritual defense mechanisms are designed, get this, by Almighty God to destroy and annihilate the devil. I'm going to say it again. Our spiritual defense mechanisms are designed by Almighty God to destroy and annihilate the devil. That's the reason it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons of our warfare, they're not, they're not carnal, but they are mighty through God. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. Listen, did you know that the weapons that God has given you have the authority and the power to where you can use them and take dominion in your thought life to where the enemy cannot penetrate the shield that is actually there. You may say, I can't help but think about this. Oh, yes, you can. The weapons of your warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty through God. They cast down imagination. Any vain imagination, you know what a vain imagination is? It is an image that the devil attempts to paint on the canvas of your mind and heart that represents the lie of hell. I'm going to give you an example of what happens many times. For instance, somebody might have, you know, they... They're looking at their checkbook and they're going, I don't have quite enough money to pay the electric bill. Well, the next thing you know, what's happening is the enemy is whispering in their ear, you're going to have your electricity turned off. Okay? I don't know. It's been a long time since anything like that ever happened to me, but many, many, many years ago, when we first got married, I don't know if anybody else were in that situation. We were believing God from week to week to be able to pay the bills, week to week to be able to put potted meat on the table. I don't know if anybody else was there. You know, mac and cheese. And, uh, you know, the enemy come and whisper, thank God, hallelujah, we have went past that a long time ago. But, uh, but I mean, the first seven or eight years, we were believing God every day, every week, every month, just to be able to pay the bills. And by the way, my, electric my electricity was never turned off, hallelujah. And I always paid my bills on time. You know why? Because I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed out begging bread, hallelujah. How many know God is faithful? 
God is faithful. He's faithful. Starts whispering in you, you're not going to have enough. You're not going to have enough. You're not going to have enough. If you start then meditating upon that, the next thing that will happen is this. You'll begin to have images flash across your mind, and you'll see Florida Power Guy. you see his truck driving up to your yard. You'll see him getting out of the truck. I mean, it'd be like a movie that's going, you know, flashing across your mind. And next thing you know that, you know, there's a movie flashing across your mind of Florida Power showing up there. And, you know, you're sitting there watching, of course, obviously watching some Christian television, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, everything goes out. And you're sitting out there. And, of course, it happens to be the coldest day of the year, 20 degrees, you know. I mean, that's the picture that the devil starts painting in, on the canvas of your mind and your heart. But understand, the weapons that you have, they are mighty through God. And they have the ability to pull those things down, to cast them down to where they are totally obliterated and annihilated and they no longer exist. Hallelujah. Amen? Well, you got to use your weapons. You know, so many believers, our problem is they're not using their weapons. They have an arsenal at their disposal and they're either not using them or they haven't been trained to use them. You know, it's one of the things that they actually do in the military, which I'm really thankful for, is they don't have somebody sign up for the Air Force and say, you look like a pilot, and they go put him in an F-35, and he takes off. I mean, that's not how it goes, right? Paul here, he flew, was it F-101s, 103s? I'm almost there, 106s, okay. All right, you, you're a little younger than I thought, F-106s and F-4s. But the reality is he flew those, but uh, how long did you actually train before they gave you your own plane? How many? Two years of training. And training is pretty intense, is it not? Very intense training. And uh, it, because of that good training, actually he had two planes. He had two go down, is that right? Two planes that went down and... <laughs> He ejected. He had to eject twice. And listen, it, thank God he actually lived to talk about after the ejection, praise the Lord. It's, there's a big testimony in that. But he had, uh, anyway, it wasn't his fault. Okay. How the, one, the engine blew up. Okay. Huh? The only engine. It's only got one engine. If it blows up, you're going down, right? Yeah. So anyway, and he recognized engines won't, all right, there we go. But uh, <laughs> he has the ejection seats in his house, as a matter of fact. I've seen the ejection seats, got both of them there, or both of them, yeah. So anyway, that's just a little trivia tonight. I just thought we'd go down trivia lane. But anyway, what I was talking about is he's, he went through intense training. They didn't, he flew in Vietnam. He, they didn't just send him over to Vietnam saying, Paul, you know, mm, you're disposable. We're going to put you in a jet, you know, send you over there. No, intense training. You know, that's one of the reasons that you need to be in the house of the Lord. Right? That's one of the reasons you need to be in church. Because one of the things that happens whenever we gather together, we're hearing the word you know what? One of the primary weapons that we actually have, we'll talk about it in more detail, but we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the, it's the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Listen, you're not going to have a good sword, a sharp sword, if you don't know the Word. 
right? It's not like you come to church and there's some kind of imaginary sword that you get and you can get, you know, do like that. And if you play video games long enough, you'll actually become an expert, expert at actually wielding the sword of the Spirit. Understand this, the way that you become an expert at wielding the sword of the Spirit is number one, you've got to know the Word. So whenever the enemy, whatever area he tries to come in, you've got a sword that's already fashioned for that. You pull it out. You're like Zorro. Right? I mean, carve him up. Hallelujah. <laughs> you, listen, you done mess with the wrong person today. Okay? I, I'm going to make a, I'm going to put an R right on your, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to put a J-E-S-U-S, J-E-S-U-S, and send you running. Praise God. Amen? I hope you're understanding. I, I, I'm, I'm using different analogies. I didn't plan on using most of these. They just kind of come whenever I get up here and start ministering and preaching. But I, you know what? The Lord knows exactly what you need to be able to paint the picture that you need to see so that you can grab hold of the truth. It's not the analogy. It's the truth that sets you free. You understand that? The analogy is just used to bring a truth and an understanding into your heart and spirit. And so I want you to grab hold of this tonight. You have a spiritual defense system. See, you are not defenseless. There's a lot of believers that, that just think that, you know, there's nothing that they can do about their situation. And whatever's happening in their life, they just have no power over it whatsoever. I don't want everybody to understand that that's just a lie straight from the pit. That's a lie of the enemy. Because you can do something. You are not defenseless. You have a spiritual defense system and understand that your defenses have power. Your weapons have power, praise God. And they have power to destroy and annihilate the devil. You don't understand what I'm up against. You know what? I may not understand fully everything that you're up against, but I do understand fully that the weapons that God has given you are mighty and they will pull down every stronghold of hell and darkness. Hallelujah. I recognize that the weaponry that God has given you, that the enemy cannot match up to the weaponry that God has given to you. Amen. And by the way, the bigger the giant the harder they fall, amen? And so you understand this, you're not defenseless. Would you look at somebody and say, you're not defenseless? Amen? Now, 1 Peter 5, verse 8, be sober. I could just go there for a minute. You know what? There's so many things that are intoxicating believers today. Now, I'm not just talking about alcohol, which, but by the way, I encourage every believer to abstain from that. Amen? You know, uh, I, I don't make a doctrine out of it. I'm just saying the best way to prevent from getting drunk is you just don't drink. Does, that, does everybody understand that? I'm, I'm, please just please hear with the ear of the Spirit. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just telling you that the best way that you prevent that is you just don't go near it, right? right. The best way that you prevent ever getting addicted to anything is you just don't go near it, right? Just You just don't go near it. But anyway, be sober. So that means, I think a lot of times we, when we re, you, see the word sober, we always think of alcohol. And so we, don't, we want to be sober. But understand there's other things that intoxicate believers. Can I tell you the internet's intoxicating a lot of believers? Can I tell you social media is intoxicating a lot of believers? And there's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot, I'm saying it again, I'm getting it right. There are some, let me get that There are some people, there are some believers, there are some Christians that need to go through social media detox. Let it sink in for just a moment. 
Because the reality is so many believers spend much more time on Facebook, on TikTok. Yeah, I'm talking to young people too, even though I know most of them are over there in the other building. This, By the way, I think last, last Wednesday or the Wednesday before, we, we had about 120 youth in our, in our youth service. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. Garrett and Beckham Orland are doing just an absolutely wonderful and powerful job. We appreciate them. And Castle and Bethany, they did a great job while they were here, but I tell you what, it's needful for them to take a step up and to be able to, they had, they were wearing way too many hats and they needed somebody. Praise the Lord, I got my defense system. Hallelujah, it's all right. <laughs> but, you know, they, they were wearing way too many hats and they needed uh, to be able to focus more on, uh, specifically on the, the uh, kids and also some other things that we are doing, some other groups that we're doing. And as you know, Castle's been leading worship, and Castle does an absolutely magnificent job leading worship. Amen. We love him so much. Miranda also, we appreciate her. She does, doesn't Pastor Miranda do such a wonderful job leading worship. We love her. And Pastor Joshua, he's awesome. Praise the Lord. He can preach circles around me. I know it. He lets me get up here every now and then. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But, then, but uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, something I've got kind of uh, going in a little different vein here. One of the things that I think has really been wonderful since Pastor Joshua Miranda, we are, this month it's been one year since they came back from Orlando and are now here, and it's so good to have them back. Amen. Go give the Lord a praise for that. It's something that we needed them here. And I will tell you that in the one year that they have been here, we've seen church growth. We've seen all sorts of positive things happening. We've, we've seen new things launched. And uh, just there's just been a fresh wind and a freshness coming to the church. And also, I think it's really good for the church not to, uh, uh, as you know, Pastor Stacy and I, we started this church 26 years ago. But you know, it's really good that we're not the only voice. And also, we are building for generations. And we're thinking generationally. We're not thinking of just one generation. Because you know what? The reality is, should the Lord tarry, you know, uh, I mean, I might live to 125. I don't know. Praise the Lord. If I do, I, I, I'm praying that my sons, I, because I'm, I, don't, I, I don't want to, them to die before me. So I'm praying for a super long life for them also. But the, and my daughter. But the, but the reality is this. Um, should the Lord tarry? Uh, you know, we plan on this thing continuing on and on and on. Amen. And you've got to think, you, if you're not thinking generationally, you're not thinking like God. If you're thinking just your generation, you're not thinking like God. Because everything that God does, he does generations in his heart and in his mind. He said, I'm the God of Abraham. He didn't stop there. Isaac and and Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, God was already thinking about Jacob. As a matter of fact, God was already thinking about the 12 tribes before he... So God was already, God was already, actually put another battery in that and give, it, give that back to me, please. Thank you. God was already thinking about the 12 tribes. He already knew everything that was going to go on. He's thinking way down the line. As a matter of fact, he was already thinking about Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying? 
He's thinking generationally. You know what? We need to grab hold of the heart of God because in order for us to really have his heart, we have to think generationally. Amen. And you know what? We're, our plan is this. You know, one day, Curvin will probably be in leadership here. Hallelujah. Amen. One day, Anna may be in leadership here. Amen. And one day, you know, we, I mean, we, got, we have four generations uh, of our family that are in this church right now. But you know what? One day, there's other folks who have kids in here. Um, uh, pray, yes, praise the Lord. I get up here and I start preaching and I forget names. Uh, uh, Jemiah, praise the Lord. Yeah, but, you know, Jemiah, she'll be in leadership. She'll be ministering. She'll be prophesying, being doing what, you know, everybody. Jerry and Mia, praise God. And I could just go on and on and on. And we have to think generationally, amen? Does uh, that's not the message, but that's good. Back to be sober. See, because what happens so often is people get so intoxicated with everything going on all around them. They're thinking about everything. They're all caught up in everything. They're caught up in social media. They're caught up in the events of the day. They're caught up in the news. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You know what? You can get addicted to the news. You know, if there's anything that you can't go one day, if you, listen, if you can't go one day without putting your phone down and not going on Facebook, then you need some freedom and some liberty and some deliverance. Well, thank you for that overwhelming response. We're going to have an altar call just for that at the end of the service because I tell you, we need it right now. I could tell by the response. We need an altar call on that right there. You know, you know what? And if you can't put things down, if you can't turn it off for one day, okay, I'm not saying you got to do it forever, but if you can't do it for one day. Now, it's one thing if you have to, you know, understand some of you got businesses and things like that, and you have, you know, that, I'm not talking about that. That's not so much for pleasure, but you, that, you, you're just having to do it. But I would also encourage you to find a way somehow, somewhere, some point in time where you can put it down and you can turn it off, right? That goes for all of us. You know what, Stacey and I, we have to do that. Now I have to just tell all the kids, listen, don't call me unless something blows up. And then it better be a really big explosion. <laughs> because right now, what I need, I, 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 just, I got to disconnect right now. Listen, everybody, how did I get off on this? Everybody's got to disconnect from time to time, right? You got to be able to disconnect from it. And if you're not, what will end up happening, you can not, literally people lose their minds if they don't get proper rest. And we have to learn to just disconnect. You know, even God disconnected from it. Think about this. God disconnected from everything. On the seventh day, he gave it a rest. He looked at everything and said, look, I've been working hard for six days, and it really looks good. I created man, created woman. Oh, that was my masterpiece right there. How many men are glad that God created a masterpiece? Praise the Lord. I'm glad God created a masterpiece. Woo, hallelujah. Shandai. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, how to get off on that? <laughs> I've been helping her on the book. That's it. That's it. But anyway, but the reality is this. You know, you have to be able, just like the Lord, on the seventh day, can I tell you one of the greatest ways sometimes that you can express your faith is just by disconnecting. Because what you're doing, you're saying, Lord, I believe that you're going to you'll take care of everything. Your, your power will extend so far to where I can actually go one day and not have to be concerned about anything, not have to do anything. Well, that's for somebody this morning, this evening, whenever we are. 
So be sober, be vigilant, because your what? Your adversary who? You know, one of the first things that Peter actually does in this passage of Scripture is he begins to identify who your enemy is. Understand that your weaponry that you have been given is not designed. I said this on Sunday, but I'll say it again because I'm talking a little bit different flow. But it's not designed for your neighbor. The sword of the Spirit is not to be used on your neighbor. Okay? The shield of faith is not meant for somebody that's near you. Okay, all these different weapons and arsenal that we have understand that it's not meant to be used against somebody else. We have to understand that our adversary is the devil. The devil is our enemy because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion. By the way, it doesn't say that he is a roaring lion, but it says that he walks about as a roaring lion. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? He's a poser, Okay. He's a poser. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. I said, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. But the enemy, he walks about posing like a lion. You know, thinking that people are going to be afraid of him. Listen, don't you be afraid. Understand this. He don't have any teeth. Listen, Jesus pulled his teeth out. Whenever he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he took every one of his teeth out. Listen, only the thing the devil can do now is gum you to death. Listen, you're, listen you, you've got power and you have authority over those gums. Glory to God. Amen. I, I'm trying to paint a picture within your, your mind today. Can you think about this? You know, you know somebody, somebody or some kind of animal trying to gum you to death. You shake that. I mean, it may be a little bit frightening, but you shake the thing off eventually, okay? And you say, you know, you ain't going to do anything to me. You, you ever seen, you ever, have you ever, uh, you know, been walking and all of a sudden the neighbor's got a little chihuahua? You know what I'm talking about? And maybe you have a dog. Maybe you have a big old German shepherd. And, I mean, and you're walking Fido, okay? And, uh, and all of a sudden here comes a chihuahua. The chihuahua, I mean, in the chihuahua's mind, It is ready to take on Fido. Did I say something wrong? Chihuahua. Did I say that? Chihuahua. What is it? Chihuahua. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Well, that, the, the shah, wah, wah. Anyway, comes out there, running out there, little old bitty thing. You know, honestly, I mean, you could kick the thing and send it into eternity. Right? I'm not proposing that anybody do that. I'm just saying, you know, it's a little bitty dog. You got to understand the devil's is that same way. Just kind of, get out of here. Get out of here. Right? You have to understand you have power, you have authority. He's like a roaring lion seeking, and get this, whom he may devour. Listen, that phrase right there tells me that he can't devour everybody. He's looking for somebody who he can devour. 
Understand, as a blood-bought child of God, covered with the blood, in covenant with Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, the devil cannot cross the blood line. Hallelujah. Because somebody say he can't cross the blood line. That's not just a phrase. You got to understand there's power in the blood. I said there's power in the blood. Boy, we need some songs about the blood again, don't we? You know, not in the old hymn style, but I tell you what, I, I do. I remember singing growing up, there's power in the blood. I don't know if anybody else remembers that. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you or evil, the victory win? There's wonderful, wonder-working power in the blood. There is power, power. Wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Y'all know it. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb, right? Listen, whoever penned that song had a revelation. I said they had a revelation. Boy, that's something that many songwriters need today. Need some revelation and understanding of the power of the blood, the power of the name of Jesus, the weaponry that we have. I love singing songs about victory. There's just something within me whenever we start singing songs. I got, went off on another trail. When we start singing songs about victory, something within me gets stirred. You know what? And it should stir every single one of us. You know, I don't want us to be singing songs here and worship songs that merely try to stir some type of emotional response. That is not the goal of worship. Whenever we praise and worship, we are here to declare the victory of Jesus that we have, begin to declare our victory over the enemy that we have, the devil underneath our feet, that we are the victor through Christ Jesus, and we are here to do kingdom business and to see God's glory and his power shine forth. Amen. Amen. So he's looking for he can't, who he can devour. He can't devour everybody. Devil can't devour you. As I said before, can't touch this. Right? Um, you know, I was just thinking about this. Has anybody ever watched Star Trek? Anybody ever watched Star Trek? The old, the old Star Trek. Captain Kirk. Anybody remember Captain Kirk? William Shatner? <laughs> Spock? All right. Stardate, Bones, yeah. Uh, you know, Sulu, Ahoya, Ahoya, Ahora, whatever her name was. I don't know. What was it? Ahora, thank you. <laughs> That's not really a good name for a lady, is it? <laughs> Never really thought about it, but uh, <laughs> between that and the Chihuahua, you know, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, I needed to laugh tonight anyway. I'm going somewhere with this, okay. But I don't know if anybody remembers uh, watching Star Trek. And Captain is there on the bridge, and he's looking. And he sees a Romulan vessel. It's coming that way, right? And this is what he'll say. He, he would actually say this. Activate shields. Sulu, activate shields. Scotty, warp speed. Y'all remember? Does anybody remember this? Am I speaking in a foreign language? 
I was told by my kids and my wife that I cannot use hee-haw examples anymore because nobody knows what in the world I'm talking about. So I'm not going to use that anymore. So he's sitting there. And this is what he said, activate shields. I said that to say this. There was a, I know this is fictitious, but there were shields that were on the Starship Enterprise. And in order for them to be protected, they had to activate the shields. Can I tell you, in order for you to be protected and to stay protected, you have to activate the defense system that you have, which means you must start using the weaponry that you have been given. It's not going to happen automatically. And understand, you can either live your life as a victim or you can live your life as a victor. It's up to you. But I will tell you, the only way that you're going to live as a victor is if you begin to activate the defense system that you have, take up your weapons of war, put on your armor, and say, devil can't touch this. Hallelujah. Amen? Look at somebody say, the devil can't touch this. See, many believers are devoured because they don't use the defenses that they've been given. They got shields. I see the Romulan vessel coming, but they didn't activate the shields. You've got to activate the shields, right? We have been given a defense system. And by the way, we serve a mighty defender. Hallelujah. Jesus is our defender. He is our defense. He will protect us. His name is a high tower, and we run into it, and we are safe. Amen. We have the armor of God. We have the name of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus. We have the high praises of God. We have the word of God. We've got the shield of faith. And we're going to be teaching on all these things. But understand, at the end of the day, you can come to these meetings and you can hear about the wonderful weaponry that we've been given. But you've got to take it up and you've got to begin to use it. You've got to use it. Look at somebody say, you've got to use it. So he says, uh, Seeking whom you may devour, verse 9, resist him. Everybody say resist. Resist, that word resist there literally means to stand against and oppose. To stand against and oppose. What we are commanded to do is whenever we see the enemy, we stand against him and oppose him. We take a position that we will not allow him to go any farther. We take a position that he cannot have what rightfully belongs to us. We are commanded to stand in opposition to anything that the devil is doing. Not say, well, that must be the will of God. I will tell you, whenever Josiah was first born, his mom and dad and his grandparents they didn't say, well, this must just be the will of God. Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. No, there were people that were standing there saying, breathe in the name of Jesus. We are standing and we are opposing the thief and the robber that has come to steal life. Hallelujah. Whenever Kayla was in Pastor Stacy's womb and, you know, and she started bleeding real heavenly and the doctor said, you have a blighted ovum. You know what we're commanded to do? We're going to stand and we're going to oppose what the enemy desires to do. No devil, you can't have my seed. No devil, you can't have my daughter. No devil. And by the way, some of you are believing God for lost loved ones right now. Maybe your son, maybe your daughter, maybe your cousin, maybe your aunt, uncle, mother, 
father, whoever it might be, your spouse, understand this. You can stand and oppose the forces of hell, and I will tell you, you will see victory in the name of Jesus. But you got to stand and you got to oppose them. It's not going to happen automatically. If you're praying, oh, Lord, just whatever your will is. No, you know what the will of God is. Healing is his will. Deliverance is his will. Salvation is his will. These things we know are his will. And we are here to stand and oppose the forces of hell. I'm not going to just let the devil do whatever he wants to do. Let me tell you what, the devil wanted to totally destroy and annihilate this entire region, not just during the hurricane, but after the hurricane, even deal another blow. But you know what? There were some people on the east side of Panama City. There was a church that God raised up that says, we're going to stand and we're going to oppose what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to shut everything down. We say that we will have more than we had before. It will be greater than it's ever been. Somebody has to stand and oppose what the enemy wants to do. And by the way, you don't do that in the natural. You've got to do it in the spirit. That's where you got power. That's where you have authority, okay? I don't have any authority out at Tyndall. I don't have any authority in Washington, D.C., but you know what? I know I can pray, and I have authority, hallelujah. I know I can take the promise of God and war with it, and I have authority whenever I do that, right? See, you've got to use your weapons because they're not carnal. They are. Everybody shout mighty. Look at somebody say, your weapons are mighty. Would you stand to your feet tonight? I'm going to stop there tonight. Did you get anything out of this? See, your weapons are mighty. You got mighty weapons. Your armor is mighty. And I'm telling you what, it will accomplish things if you will just use it. But you've got to make a decision to do that. How many of you tonight will say, I'm making a commitment tonight. I'm making a decision I'm not going to lay down and let the devil do whatever he wants to do. I'm going to use my weaponry. I'm going to use my armor. How many of you say, I'm going to put on my armor? I'm going to take it up, and I'm going to begin to use it. Some of you, your marriages may be being attacked. Don't think for one minute that's just the will of God, and there's nothing you can do. Yes, you can fight in the name of Jesus. I said you can fight, not with each other, but you can fight the devil. You know what so the devil always wants us to do is fight with each other, and we got to recognize who's our enemy. Be sober, be vigilant. You know, I, I've come to the conclusion that probably, you know, I just, Lord, just saw this. You know what? If we're making one another our enemy, that's an indication that they we're not sober. We've gotten distracted with the wrong thing. We're looking at the wrong thing. We have to recognize our enemy is the devil, right? I mean, Paul and I had a disagreement. That's very rare, but, you know, there's been a couple of times. But the reality is, it, you know, the, the, in, uh, Listen, Paul's been with us for 26 years. Praise the Lord. But the, but the reality is this. If we had a disagreement, that doesn't make him my enemy. Do y'all understand that? What we seem to do many times, if we disagree with somebody, then that means we're, come on, throw down the gauntlet. Let's go. Let's, let's, let, let's fight. You know, we got to get out of that. I said we got to get out of that. Husbands and wives, you got to get out of that. Okay. You should, we're not here to oppose one another. We're going to oppose the devil. And because we're looking at the wrong thing, we are intoxicated with something else. What happens is we don't see clearly. See, when people are intoxicated, they don't see right. I have never actually been drunk with alcohol. There's probably some people in here that have been drunk before with alcohol. I want to ask you to raise your hand. Y'all raising your hands without me even asking. 
Yeah, that's me. But it's, I don't know if it's true, but I, I, I think that it is that you can't see right if you are drunk. Is that right? Is that correct? Is that one of the reasons they say that you should not drink and drive? Because you can't see right. Okay, you are impaired. And so what happens, if you're fighting with one another, that means you're impaired. It's an indication that you can't see the real enemy. You're looking at the wrong thing. You're fighting with one another rather than fighting the enemy of your soul. And so what we're going to do tonight, we're going to say, Lord, can we just say, Lord, I'd make a decision of heart. From this day forward, I'm taking up my weaponry. I'm taking up my armor. I'm putting on the whole armor of God. And I will fight and I will oppose the enemy of my soul. And I will win in the name of Jesus. The name of the Lord, the name of Jesus is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. I thank you, Lord, that I am safe. I thank you, Lord, that my life is covered with the blood of Jesus. I lift my hands and I give you glory and I give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Can we give the Lord a praise tonight? Come on, give him a praise tonight. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.